Um, we're on week six of our series of thought on family church values. That was a good time of worship this morning. I, I'm, I'm bone dry. Um, so <clears throat> I do apologize to Emma, who, I'm sorry, Grace, who normally stands directly in front of me, who must get a second shower of the day as I'm singing. <laughs> And, and certainly has her ears blasted with my singing. Um, but, you know, she, sings, she, she stands there every week. She doesn't say, can I go up that end of the room? So she, she's either tone deaf, <laughs> she can't hear very well, or she's very gracious. But, um, yeah, so we're on our, our, our sixth value of family church, and every one of these is an individual uh, area of teaching uh, in our lives. And today... We're looking at value number six, which is we are spiritual. We are spiritual. Or in other words, you are you spiritual. Um, I guess we can look at it two ways. As a church, we believe that we are spiritual. um, But we need to ask ourselves, am I outworking a spiritual life in my world? Being spiritual can have many applications in this generation. Um, society today will, will have an attitude about being spiritual that is very different to what we believe as Christians as being spiritual. So I, I just want to highlight three areas where people may say they're spiritual uh, when that's not really what the Bible calls being spiritual. There are people who call themselves spiritual because they pray in times of need. There, there's a crisis moment in their life. Something bad happens. Someone's dying and they will pray and you speak to them and say, well, I'm spiritual because I pray. But they have no revelation or understanding of a walk with God. It's just a moment of need in their life that's caused them to pray. Some people will say that they are spiritual because they acknowledge the existence of a higher power. Or they've had some sort of mystical experience. And that is so wrong compared to the biblical viewpoint on what spiritual is. Others may say they're spiritual because they've tuned into their innermost feelings and thoughts and have some sort of meditational mantra about them through yoga or whatever else it is that they then say they are spiritual in their journey. I want to say to you today that is not spiritual. That is of an anti-spirit regarding the spirit world. So what does it mean to be spiritual? I'm going to look at three aspects really of what this looks like because I think it's really important that we we examine each area so that we can identify where we are. The first area I want to look at is really the unbelieving person. And I guess even in this room, it's possible to have unbelieving people who really don't get and understand what this is talking about. So the unbelieving person, they don't have a spiritual awareness. Everything is natural. If you speak to people, they are a body and a soul. But you're not. You are a tripartite, a three-part person. You are a spirit, soul, and body. You are made up of three parts, just like the Godhead is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And I believe that is the biblical order. 
We are a spirit first. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, our thinking, our character processes, and personality. We also have a body, which is our earth suit. I've said it before, if you went to the moon, you would have a moon suit. If you go to Mars, you would have a space suit. But you live on earth, so you have a... Okay, that is all this is. It houses your soul and it contains your spirit. Your spirit being the most important. But when we were created, when Adam fell, he died. The Bible said he died. He didn't die physically until a number of years later. He died spiritually. He was separated from God. When we were born, we were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And we were separated from God from birth. There comes a moment in all of our lives when we acknowledge The truth that Jesus died on our behalf, the the power of the cross he did for me. And we recognize he took our sins and gave us the gift of redemptive life. And at that moment, we are born again. We are born from death unto life. Where Jesus was born from life, he died and rose again. We are born again. And that which was dead on the inside now comes alive. But a person who has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and recognized the power of the cross are dead in their trespasses and sins. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But to the natural unbelieving man, but the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings, or the revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness and absurd and illogical to him. And he is incapable, he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. He is unqualified, this is the unbeliever, he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. This is really interesting because there are, there are many unbelieving people who would say they are spiritual but they are not discerning of spiritual matters when it comes to God they may have an awareness of the dark side of spiritual things but they do not have an appreciation or an understanding or an acceptance of the spiritual as God would see it in other words the spiritual truths that we hold close to our hearts being filled with the Spirit, walking a Spirit-filled life, they have no understanding of. It is actually foolishness. When you look at the world around us, and if you've ever shared the gospel to your friends, your workplace, whatever, you share the gospel, they will look at you as if you're an idiot for what you believe. Because it is spiritual. What we know is spiritually discerned. It is a spiritual, the spiritual capacity of, we, of our life has now taken a hold of those spiritual truths and they've been made alive on the inside. They have become rhema, a living word on the inside. In fact, the Bible goes one step further in 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. Absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead. An unbelieving person 
your life before the cross, your life before receiving Jesus into your life, we were spiritually dead because they rejected. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. The cross is the manifestation of the power of the cross. The power of our salvation. The power of God in our life. The cro- you know, when you see unbelieving people walking around with a crucifix around their neck and they have no connection with God, they've not opened their heart to God, you think, why? Why would you walk around with a form of execution around your neck if you don't believe what Jesus has done? For you, for you and I who are Christians, I personally believe we should wear a, if, if we wear a cross, it should be an empty cross. Because he's no longer on it. Now you could use the argument, well, I want to remember that he died for me. Fantastic, no problem. I don't have an issue with that. But actually, he's no longer on the cross. He's risen from the dead and forgiven us of our sin. And we acknowledge that in our life. It is the power of God to everyone who believes. And yet it's foolishness to those who are outside. I'd say as Christians, we have, we have such a gift of salvation. We have got such a gift that we've been given the ability to see what Jesus has done. I tell you, I am so thankful for my salvation. I am so thankful that he turned my life around. I'm so thankful that I'm no longer walking in darkness, but in the light and in the truth. I'm so thankful for the power of God, which is revealed in us, those who are being saved. Do you know what? Our spirit is saved. The moment we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we've asked for forgiveness, our spirit is saved. You no longer have to do anything good in your life because you've accepted the power of the cross. Our soul is being saved. How many of you did something bad this week? Don't put your hand up. All right? Just, we all fall short of the standard that God has. And our soul, that's why we are be, being transformed by the Word of God. We keep going back to the Word of God, putting it in our hearts so that we are being saved. We are becoming more like Christ. That is the heart of everyone in this room, that we are more like him. We're not perfect. We haven't got there yet. And yet this body is going to go into the earth. It's going to be you know, eaten by the worms. Whatever else happens to me, I'm going to be gone. This physical body. But on the day that Jesus returns, that which was the earthly, this earth suit, is going to put on glory. And it's going to be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. And I'm going to have a glory suit in heaven, just like you are and uh, everybody else that believes in him. So first and foremost, we need to recognize the unbeliever has no spiritual understanding of truly godly spiritual things. Our second category of person is this. It is the carnally minded The soul-led, the fleshly-driven, the compromising individual. And I guess we can look at our life if we're totally honest. We can come dressed in our best. But if we look at our lives and we're honest with ourselves, there are times when we, 
we step into the carnality, the soul-led, the flesh-driven, the compromise in life. But our heart's desire is that we walk above that. But we fall short at times. Otherwise, I'm going to exchange places with you right now. Because I can be honest and say I don't always make it. There are times I fall short and I have to go back to God and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry again. And I'm sorry again and again. That's why Jesus, or that's why the Word of God has got 1 John 9 in there. First uh, John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why that's put in the word, because he knew we can't all make it all of the time. But we have one who stands as an advocate on our behalf. This category of the carnal Christian is this in Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through to 10. It says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or against God and is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When we are living in the flesh, we're not pleasing God. Do you know, I, the heart of everyone in this room has got to be saying, I want to please you. I want my heart to bless you. I want my life to be in that place. But then it says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Do you know, I've said this before, when God looks at your life, he doesn't look at your body and say, didn't I do, do a good job? I'm sure he probably does, but you know, <laughs> he doesn't look at your body and say, I did a good job. He doesn't look at your soul and your mistakes and your failings and just keeps on shaking his head thinking, why, oh, why, oh, why? He looks at your spirit and he sees the blood. Isn't that great? That's why in, in, a, in a moment you can stand before God and worship him. That's why when something happens, you can go and you can pray in the name of Jesus because you're not praying. If you were having to pray in your name, you would have to live perfect. That's why he says, don't use your name, use mine. Because he is perfect. And all the time we are in him, we are perfect in him. And when he looks at your life and mine, he doesn't look at our mistakes and our rubbish. He looks at the redemptive price of Christ. He sees the cross and he says, you are bought with a price. And he remembers the price that was paid. And that's Jesus' life in exchange for you and me. The word carnal in this passage, sorry, I haven't finished it, but you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The word carnal is translated from the Greek word, I looked it up this morning, I've forgotten it. Sarkios. Sarkios, and it literally means fleshly. Every time we do a fleshly act or say something fleshly, behave in a fleshly manner, we're behaving carnally. And that's where we have the redemptive power of the cross. Whenever, as a Christian, we behave in a fleshly or carnal way, it can be in one of three ways. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. When we want to do things our way, when we refuse to change our attitudes, when we, when we live in our own flesh and desire. So can a person who is a carnal Christian break that negative life cycle? I'm pleased you asked me that question. I'm sure a few of you had it going through your head. I'm living this carnal cycle in my life, and how can I break out? How can I break free from that temptation? How can I break free from, from using that kind of language? How can I break free? How can I break? How? There is a way to break free. And this is the key to breakthrough. In Galatians 5.16, it says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The key to you and I walking free from carnality and mistakes is to walk in the Spirit. Are we walking in the Spirit? Because if we're walking in the Spirit, it says here, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When temptation comes and you're walking in the Spirit, what will happen is the Spirit in you will rise up in the midst of that temptation and give you the power to overcome. When you're not walking in the Spirit and that temptation comes, when temptation comes knocking, you open the door. The key is walking in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, just, I think these things are just gold in our life. So number one we've looked at is, is what it looks like as an unbeliever. Number two, we've looked at what it looks like as a carnal Christian. And it's really important here is the key in one, many senses from carnal Christianity to being a spirit-filled, God-loving individual. And it's this moment. Am I walking in the spirit? Can I encourage you? You know, Let's begin walking in the Spirit, not just on Sunday when we dress up and come to church, but every day, every waking moment, we are considering what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. The word spiritual in the Bible is very often or most often connected with the Holy Spirit. You know, you may be in a Christian for many years, but you've never been baptized or had the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is a fundamental part of our Christian journey. Getting saved is the beginning part. Maturing is the next part. But actually, you can the same day as getting saved, you can get baptized and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to take weeks, months or years. We believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit impacting empowering and liberating not only your life but everyone you come in contact with because the trinity of god now lives on the inside of you and i believe it's important that we acknowledge the holy spirit you know who is the holy spirit to you you know, for you, it may, you know, the Holy Spirit may be, well, it's in church, in church I believe the Holy Spirit should move. I believe God is so much bigger than just two hours on a Sunday. Yeah. 
I believe God is in the, in the midst of our life every day, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365, 66 in a leap year. He doesn't miss a moment. The Holy Spirit should be active in every aspect and every area, every day and every moment. It's, it's how much we allow him to move that determines how much he can move in our life. We have the door that enables him to come in. We have the ability to say, all of me, not just a part. We have the ability to say, open my mouth. Oh, sorry, I'll open my mouth because I trust you to fill it. We have the capacity to say, I'm going to lay hands on the sick, but I'm believing that you will raise them up. We have the capacity to open our mouth and declare the wonders of God, but we have to trust him by faith to fill and to fulfill the promises of God as yes and amen. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouthpiece. But how much do we allow him to live through us? The Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to live through us continually. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are being filled, empowered, and led. How much do we submit to his leading? When we're, again, when we're here on a Sunday, you may have a quickening in your heart and you may feel that you have a word or a prophecy. But why does that only happen on a two hours on a Sunday? Is it because we are not being led six and a half days for the rest of the week? I believe it should be everywhere at all times. Empowered, being filled, and being led. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, believers are saved, filled, sealed, and sanctified. Isn't that good? Sealed, filled. Saved, filled, sealed, and sanctified. You are sanctified. When you get saved, according to, I think it's uh, Ephesians 1.13, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Do you know what? When God seals something, no man can open that seal. Only God. When you, have a, when you seal, it's, it's, like, um, it's like the king. When, when the king, let me get my envelope. When the king in the old days waxed, closed up his envelope. He had an important message he wanted to send. He sealed up the envelope. He put the wax on it and then he put a seal of his signet ring on it. That's what the king of kings has done over your life. No man can open that seal but God. You can't lose your salvation because God has sealed it with his spirit. I just love that because there are so many Christians that I hear along the way that, that feel that they're lost, saved, lost, saved. They don't know they've done something bad and they feel that they're lost again. No, you may have stepped out of unison with God, but you've not lost your salvation because you've been sealed with the seal of God. And no one and nothing can separate you from the love of God, according to Romans. Nothing can separate you from his love. Neither height, nor depth, nor angel, nor principality, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. The power of the Holy Spirit 
You're saved, filled, sealed and sanctified. The Holy Spirit reveals God's thoughts. He teaches. He guides each one of us into spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit helps Christians in their weaknesses and intercedes for us when we don't know what to do or what to pray or how to pray. The Holy Spirit is there interceding when you're praying in tongues, when you're speaking in tongues and you're allowing the Spirit. There has been um, uh, many, many times this year when we've not known how to articulate a certain area to pray into so that we prayed in the Spirit and the perfect prayers of God have been prayed rather than our feeble ability to pray in English. How we need to pray in the Spirit more and more. If you don't pray in the Spirit, come and speak to us. And we pray for God to fill you with the presence of His Spirit so that He comes and abides in you and fills you with His Spirit. In signs, wonders, and miracles come into your life. We believe that this is an important part of our journey. He empowers us. He equips us and releases us to do the works of Jesus in this earth. I tell you what, without the Holy Spirit, there is no way we could do the works that Jesus did. There is no way. He needed the Spirit. On the day he was baptized, the Spirit of God descended on him as like a dove. And the voice of heaven came and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? As flesh and blood on this earth. How much more do we need the Spirit of God? If Jesus, the Son of God, had the Holy Spirit and then he was thrust into his ministry. How much do we in our everyday life need the Holy Spirit active in our world? Spirit-filled living is the normal experience for every believer. Let me ask, I've got this question. If you could describe your current Christian experience today, what would you say about your spiritual journey? All right? I'm not going to ask you for your answer, but I would like you to ask yourself this, these questions or that question. How would you describe your Christian experience or your spiritual journey today? Some of you in the room may say, I'm growing and deepening and maturing in my Christian walk. And, but that's a part of the Holy Spirit showing me and developing me and maturing me in my walk. Others may say, I'm frustrated or I'm disappointed. For others, you may be feeling like you are being fulfilled. You are joyful. You're excited. Why? Because the Holy, you've allowed the, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to be a part of your journey day after day. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, when you're brushing your teeth first thing in the morning, and you're, Lord, come and fill me this day, and you're spraying toothpaste. I don't know. Anybody done that? No. Okay. But, but let's allow daily... Because the Bible is very clear, be being filled. It's not a one-time experience where you are filled. You have this moment, you have this encounter with God, and His Spirit falls on you, and you, you get up, and, and you now feel. He said, be being filled. I don't know how many times we filled the water butt in our garden over this summer. Because you couldn't walk around with a hose any longer. And our grass was looking a bit worse for wear. So we got a water butt and filled it up with the hose. <laughs> then we used the watering can to water the grass. 
because you could use a watering can. Is that bending the truth? The Bible says, confess your sins to one another that you may be whole and healed. All right? No, we didn't water the grass. We just watered the plants. All right. Anyway, we filled up the water butt many, many times because there was no rain. If you, what did you say over here? <laughs> anyway, let's forget that. It's quite bad. I can't think of another analogy, so I'm just going to stick with my moment. Thank you, Camille. I could use my hose. Camille said so. Anyway, forget the hose. I, I had a water butt that wouldn't fill up with water because it wasn't, it didn't have a source. The heavens weren't raining. There are many Christians who walk around in their Christian experience and they are not, they're not allowing themselves to be under an open heaven. Whether that's through worship or through prayer or through the word of God or being, being in a meeting where the presence of the Holy Spirit is moving, they're not allowing or asking for the refreshing, the infilling, the impartation of the spirit of their life on a daily basis. But the Bible clearly says, be being filled. And then there are Christians who turn around and say, but I feel so dry. I'm not surprised. There is an open window. There is the heavens. Mercy drops are flowing. But if I'm not standing under where he's flowing, I'm going to feel dry and parched. I don't want to stand in places where there's nothing happening. I want to position myself in the places they are. You know, I, I mentioned last week, and I forgot this morning, but we're going to do a healing, I believe a healing miracle and empower encounter night, however you want to word it. But we're going to, on the first Sunday of November, we're going to sing worship songs before the Lord, specifically geared in the area of healing. And then we're going to lay hands on the sick, and we're going to anoint them with oil. We're going to pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord is going to raise them up. And, and if you've not got a prayer request or you're, you haven't got an issue, an area of, that you need praying for, fill out one of these because you may know someone who's sick. I think we all should. We all probably know someone who's sick, surely. Fill out one of these. Pass it to us over the next couple of weeks. We will begin to pray, but we're going to release the power from on high, the power of God unto salvation. And then let them know that you're going to be praying, that your church is going to be praying. Ask them, tell them, whatever it needs, because I believe there are going to be miracles that break out. Let's go back to this. Some may say they're growing. Some may say they're frustrated. Some may say they're fulfilled and joyful and excited. Whatever your assessment of yourself, my question today is this. Do you desire more? Clearly not. I won't finish off the rest of my message. You can answer me, all right? You can answer. Do you want more? Yes. Good. I'm so pleased you said that. Because <laughs> now I can finish the message. Do you desire more? So let's see what Jesus had to say. Because there are some things, if we desire more, 
there's some things that we can actively do. If we want to experience the power and the presence and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we desire more. Jesus said this in John, John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. And this is what he's shouting to the crowd here today. Anyone who thirsts may come to me. Anyone who believes in, in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow in his heart. It doesn't say come to the pastor. It doesn't say come to the church. It says anyone who comes to me. This can happen on your way home and you're driving home. You say, Jesus, fill me afresh. In the morning when you're brushing your teeth, fill me afresh. <laughs> Rivers. That's the promise. Rivers of living water. Let the river of God flow over you. We, we ask the question, Lord, fill me again. And because life is so busy, we get on with life and we don't give him time to say, here I am, I'm going to fill you. You may, need, you may need to get up 10 minutes earlier and give him a little more time. When I was a postie, I didn't need to be at work until 5 in the morning. That's a horrible time of the day. But I didn't have to be there until 5 in the morning. And it only took me five minutes to cycle to work. Which meant I could get up at seven minutes to five, <laughs> wash, dress, cycle to work, and be at work. Okay, give myself ten minutes. I didn't need to be up until quarter two. There came a point in my life that I decided, no, I'm going to get up at half four. Because I want to spend time with God before the day started. Then it got to quarter past four. Then it got to four in the morning. I was up an hour before I needed to because I just wanted more of him. And I wanted him to fill me. I'm not saying that you need to get up at five in the morning or four in the morning. But what I'm saying is make space. Make space for him to fill you. Let me finish this off. If anyone believes in me, may he come and drink. For as the scripture declares, rivers of living water have flow from his heart. And when, uh, and when, he said that, when, when he said living waters, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given uh, to everyone believing in him. To everyone. If you've been here and you've been prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit before and you don't feel you've ever received, this scripture says that it is for everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered his glory. In fact, he hadn't gone to the cross at this point, And therefore, it was when he'd gone to the cross, if you look in John 14 and 15, it's only once he got to, to the cross, gone to heaven, that he sent the Holy Spirit upon all who would believe. The infinite God of the Bible, the creator of all things, now lives in you. Isn't that mind-blowing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, it's mind-blowing. But that's my soul. In my spirit, I have no trouble believing that. In my soul, I still battle because it just doesn't make sense. Because the God of the universe, the God who created everything, now lives 
in me. And do you know what? He lives in you by his abiding presence through his Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. He is there forever and for eternity. We can't earn his presence. We can't be good enough to gain his presence. By grace, we have been saved. Sealed, filled, and empowered. I'm going to finish with this last scripture. 2 Corinthians, 13, uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this. And all of us. Go on, you say that with me. And all of us. As with unveiled face. Because we continue to behold the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very image in ever-increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The family value of who we are, we are spiritual. Do you know, it comes when we begin to center our lives on him. When we begin to center our thoughts on him. When we center our journey. When we center our family. When we center our marriage. When we center ourselves and say, you, Lord, are at the center of it all. At the center of my money. At the center of my future. At the center of my hopes. At the center... Jesus at the center of it all. When we center him, I tell you what, we position. It's about positioning ourselves. Do we want to be spiritual and experience the power of the Holy Spirit? This is the key. If anyone believes in me, let him come and drink. Let him come and drink. Let him come and drink. I'd like us all to stand in the room this morning. If you can lift your hands, feel free to lift your hands. Father, I want to thank you. We are spiritual. And we should never take that for granted. Because you opened our eyes to the power of the cross and to the work of salvation. And Lord, we believe. Father, forgive us, I pray, when we fall short of the areas in which you've called us and we step into carnality and fleshly lives. Lord, this day, we want to stand before you and say, Lord, forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Father, we see this moment in your word where you, Jesus, said to the crowd that were there, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Father, we do thirst. And Father, right now, we call upon you. Holy Spirit, we call upon you in this room today. Come and fill us afresh with rivers of living water. Lord, I pray that out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. Lord, that we would stand in that place 
of refreshing, times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord, where your spirit is refreshing our lives, where your spirit is filling our emptiness, where your spirit is pouring out new wine into new wineskins. Father, we declare over our lives, our individual lives, I am spiritual. Come on, let's say that together. I am spiritual. We are spiritual first. Allow, Holy Spirit, allow the Spirit within me to lead me, to guide me, to give me wisdom, to empower me, and to enable me to live the life you've called me to live. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.